Welcome to the B&E Podcast with Brandon Colby-Cook and Evan Schulte. Exploring the creative process and finding the balance between artistry and industry. Entirely uncut and unscripted. Welcome to the B&E Podcast. Today we're talking about a pretty important topic, I think. Yeah. It's about your values as a creative or as an artist. Yeah. And not not so much your value as an artist, but your values and how much they are sometimes overlooked and how important they are. And one thing that actually in this talk that we had just before we started this, I actually realized that it's quite common for, at least in my experience and observation and also just of myself, I've noticed that as artists, we aren't always actually as connected to our values as we might think. And I think a lot of the things we think we value were things that were maybe put onto us, projected onto us, or, or we thought that's what we were supposed to want. But I don't know if we've ever really checked in to find out what do we really want. Or maybe we did know, and then we kind of lost our way just kind of trying to navigate this industry. And that's kind of what this, you know, this podcast is really about is finding artistry and industry and finding out how to navigate these two. And I've definitely found in my experience that industry has taken me sometimes farther than I would like away from my artistry. But it's important, I think, that that happens to some degree, because if you want to have a career out of this, you need to figure out this industry, but not at the price of your artistry, in my opinion. Yeah, absolutely. I think that, you know, the, the industry can have a lot of things that are very alluring and tempting. Um, but I don't know if it is ever, if it's ever worth, you know, a a great compromise in, in your integrity or to do something that is against your, your sense of values. Yeah. Right. And, and not just like, I mean, cause there's so many different ways that val- our, our values come into play within, within art. Like yeah. there's, you know, people are, are often in positions where, you know, artists are being contracted to do something right. And there might be certain pressures that in that way, but also then there's the side of just our, our own work, you know, that nobody is necessarily asked for, <laughs> but we're doing it. Yeah. Um, which, you know, it, it, makes it easier for us to, um, instill some of our values into our work. But then at the same time, there's there, you can also run the risk of, of if you don't have an actual clear idea or, you know, at least a good idea of what your values are, what things you actually kind of stand for. Um, it's easy to fall into the trap of, of, yeah, like, you're, you're basing values off of something that you think you should value Mm -hmm. as opposed to something that you actually do. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, if, you know, just in the film industry, if you're, if your goal is to be famous more than it is to do good work, you know, that might not actually be your actual value. That actually might be something that is, actually some kind of deficiency that you, that you have, and you're trying to make up for it. And it really has nothing to do with your art. And so your art is being polluted by this need to kind of, you know, solve this internal issue you have in your life about yourself. Right. And so I think like, um, when, when you, 
I think that the best artist is someone who understands that they don't need their art to be an artist. They don't like, they aren't defined by their art. Like, I don't think anybody should ever call themselves an actor or filmmaker or a painter and define themselves as that alone. You, you know, if, if someone says, what are you? I, I think it's a, I think it's a dangerous thing. I think, um, you know, especially as I venture into entrepreneurship more with business and, and, and just education, the more I've learned, young people need to learn to express themselves in a ways, what is the, what is the, the value that they're bringing to the world? What are, what are they doing specifically for other people? So for example, instead of saying like, um, I'm a business owner, you know, I teach people how to make film or whatever. You might, I might say something like, you know, I spend, I spend a good portion of my time inspiring people to express themselves creatively through film. I spend a good portion of my time doing that. I invest a good portion of my time. It's not me. I'm not, I'm not a teacher, business owner, entrepreneur. Yes, people can, can box me as that, but that's not actually what I am. I'm this whole person. I have this whole life. And in fact, anybody who works with me, they often will start to ask me more personal questions as we work closer and closer together. And as we earn kind of a mutual respect with each other and we start to share our lives a little bit, um, I try not to get too personal, but they start to go, wow, like, you know, you've, you've gone off and done this and you've done that. And, and, and I always want to remind them as a, you know, as a kind of a, a leader, I want to say, yeah, like you are not just this movie you're making. You're not just this show you did, you know, you're so much more than that. And, you know, I was working with someone just the other day, just for example, <clears throat> and, um, you know, he wrote this script and it's, it's pretty, pretty good script. Um, and he's struggling a little bit. And so we, we had a coaching and we ended up, you know, he wanted me to give him notes on his script, but we ended up just talking about his why, like, why are you writing the script? What are you going for? What are you trying to do here? And it all just came back down to his life. And it was like, you know, and, and kind of, we came down to the question of, and I, I love doing this exercise, but like, if you had one day left to live, what would you do? And why would you do that? And if you had, okay, if you had three days left to live, if you had a week left to live and you keep asking the same question and based on the time duration, based on, you know, as you start thinking about these questions, what I always find with everybody, it's, um, it always gets further away from you and it gets more about, it gets more connected to the actual values you have. You stop worrying so much about, I need to do this thing to like be special. And it becomes more about, I want to do this thing because this is what I want. You know, and I think your values are a lot more tied to what you want to do. You know, and so like I've spent and dedicated my life to filmmaking, but if I was on my deathbed or I was found out I was going to die in a very short period of time, I'll tell you, I probably wouldn't spend all my time making film. I would probably start traveling the world and I would probably get the people who are closest to me together and I would go out and, and probably try and connect with more people. And film would probably be very low on the list in spite of the fact that I've dedicated my whole life to it, which is very telling about where my values actually are. But those values come through in my film, right? But if, if I, and it's like you said, it's like when your teacher said, filmmaking isn't inspired by filmmaking. Acting isn't inspired by acting. It's inspired by life and our values are attached to life. So that was my point. Yeah. 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 I, I, just take the hand off there. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I think it's, I mean, it's, it's like values are, 
are, I mean, they are kind of a tricky thing, I guess that I'm realizing as we're talking about this, but I mean, it's like, I, I feel like it, it has to be something that is in some ways kind of greater than yourself, you know, like, and it's an, it's an idea. It's a philosophy. It's, it's something that you, that you want to see more of that you want to be more like something that you want to put more of out into the world. Um, and, and I think it's all out of a a sense of connection, Mm. you know, like from everything that you're saying, it's like, I, art is so much about connection and, and, and relation and, and bringing us together. Yeah. You know, and that's different for, for everybody. It's not like, Oh yeah, this is the magical answer. I mean, your value is, is in connection. It's like, yeah, you know, it's probably somewhere in that territory, but it's like, you know, for each individual that is going to be a little bit different, you know, it's like how we connect, you know, like, what do you want to say about how we connect or, you know, it, I, I don't know what it could, could be for each individual person, but it's, it's important for us to start asking these, these questions and, and almost like to, to take away outside influence on you and to, and to be able to actually go, okay, you know, I know that there are all these things going on out there and especially in art, you know, there's, there is that sort of that pull and that draw towards like, well, I want to be famous. Like famous is a, is a big one. I was like, being famous is not a value. (laughs) <laughs> like it's not, I don't know. That's not it's, like a true value in, in my mind. Well, you know, it's a, I think of it as a, it's, it's a substitution for a deeper issue. You know, it's, um, it, I think it all comes down to scarcity and abundance. And what I mean is that when you are in a place of scarcity, you feel you need things that, that are hard to get and, and rare and unattainable and, you know, and when you're in abundance, you don't feel you need those things anymore. They're easy. They're, they're simple. Um, it was interesting actually on the weekend, we did a, we did an exercise and one of the exercises we did for our little thing on the weekend was to pick out a rock and bring it to the event. Right. And, um, I thought about, well, what kind of rock and what kind of stone am I going to bring? And I thought, you know what, I'm going to go and I, I'm going to find a rock that I feel is abundant. I'm not going to pick some scarce rock because to me, the way I look at life is that I want my rock in this little exercise we're doing to be an expression of abundance, not an expression of scarcity. And it doesn't need to be special, but it's simply the request was a rock. And so how do I want to see the world? And I want to see the world as abundant. My point is, is that when you have all the money in the world and you have all the love and all the fame and all the affection, you no longer are in need of it. You don't. So then what becomes the question, right? And so I think when we're after fame, we are in a a mindset of scarcity. We believe that it's rare. We believe we can't get it. And actually, I don't think we're actually after fame. I think uh, we're actually after the experience of it. And if we could get the experience of it without the downsides of fame, because there are downsides, then we would go for that. But we believe we need to play this game to get it. Um, And Frank Kern is someone that you and I both kind of look up to. Um, you know, he, he says, uh, that we're only after experience. That's all we're really after. And I really agree with that. Mm-hmm. I think we're after an experience. So I think when we're after fame, it's a lie because really what we're after is experience. 
and fame is just the way we believe we'll get the experience. So it's a very shallow uh, connection to our value. But if we went deeper and we found what's the experience I actually want, I want to feel love. I want to feel liked. I want to feel like I'm important, right? You might realize that you don't need fame to actually get those things. But sometimes people don't want to let go of that because, well, I still want to be famous. But do you really want to be famous? Maybe you don't. It's, it's an interesting thing, you know? Yeah, it's like we get attached to certain ideas for ourselves. Yeah. And it can be, uh, it can be a hard thing to, to let go of. It's interesting. I'm reading uh, Kevin Smith's book. I'm almost done it now. It's it's been a wonderful read. It's called Tough Shit. Oh yeah. <laughs> and he has this one chapter where he's talking about sort of the new direction that he's taken in his life because he's really stepped back from the world of film, and he and he had this realization of being an artist. You know, he's like, no, that that being an artist doesn't mean that I'm like I'm just a filmmaker, you know, for a while, that's what it meant. Yeah. You know, uh, it meant that I was a filmmaker and, and, and a lot of his movies, he was putting out some really interesting stuff, like whatever you think of him, but like some really interesting ideas. And, and he talks about some of his experiences, like navigating, you know, that industry and, and the things that he'd experienced and, and saw and, and went through. And ultimately he said, he said, you know, I don't, I don't need to, I don't need to make movies with, you know, Ben Affleck to, to have value as an artist, Mm -hmm. you know? And it's like, and in fact, he hit a point where he was feeling kind of disconnected from it to a degree. And, and I mean, I don't know if he'll be forever hanging up his skates, so to speak from filmmaking, but he had this realization that, yeah, like it was, his value wasn't in being a filmmaker. It was at one point, like it was how he defined himself, but then it became valuing himself as, as an artist. Mm-hmm. And however that was going to, to come out and yeah. it's come out and he's writing books. He does like a ton of different podcasts and live shows. And like he, he does all sorts of interesting things which are, are enriching and nourishing and, and, and fulfilling for him. Right. Yeah. Well, and I think that's, uh, you know, he's breaking, it sounds like he's, he's broken away from his tunnel vision, right? Which is, I think what we tend to get caught into. And I think we get caught into tunnel vision because, you know, when we're younger, we're asked questions like, what do you want to be when you're older? you know? (laughs) And so then we go, well, I'm going to be a fireman or a firewoman or, or police officer or whatever, you know? And so, or I'm going to be an actor or actress. I'm going to be a filmmaker. I'm going to be a painter. And then once you start doing that, now your expression of your art and your creativity is limited to this one thing, which is bullshit. And you know, I used to have people ask me when I was younger, so what are you? Are you a writer? Are you an actor? You filmmaker? what are you? And I'm like, I'm all of them. I'm, I'm every single one of them. And I don't want to have to choose, you know? And, uh, and, um, you know, in some times in my life, I'm more of a filmmaker and sometimes I'm more of a writer and people might say, well, you know, it's much better to stick with one thing. You'll get a lot more success out of that one thing. And maybe that's true. And you know what? There's some validity to that. I, yeah. agree. I agree. If you stick with one thing and you put more of your focus onto one thing and you don't spread yourself too wide, you'll tend to succeed more at that. But I think it comes back down to, 
you know, are you doing that because you feel you need to win at this industry or are you doing it because you want to win at life? And, and for me, it's a win at life, you know, to be able to continue to express my art in many different ways. Now, all these things inform the other and they make the other better. And, you know, when I was in university, I actually was, so I had decided I was going to be a filmmaker and I was very dedicated to that. And that was my life. But I dropped out of film school and I went into social psychology. People used to ask me, why are you going into social psych? There's nothing to do with it. And, um, you know, it's encouragement from my dad actually in a big way, but it's like, you know, he would always tell me, don't get tunnel vision, start looking outside of it. And, and I think social psych was probably one of the best things I ever did because social psych has helped me as a writer more than any book I've ever read on screenwriting ever, ever has 10 times over. Social psychology is an absolutely amazing, um, you know, science. Yeah. And some people call it an art, but it's, it's, you know, it, you start to see human nature, you start to see how we're programmed. And once you start seeing the programming, it's, it's, there's, there's all sorts of things that can come out of that. You know, you start to see the patterns, right? And, um, anyway, my point is, is that if you only define yourself in one way as a, as a creative, you're, you're limiting your expression, you know, and there's just yeah. so many avenues we can go down. Yeah. And I like what you said before too, with with like, you get, you get tunnel vision, you know, you're so, you've got your eyes so focused on, you know, this prize at at the end and, and you're, you, you, you fail to be present and you fail and sometimes you cease to have kind of a life. I mean, I remember seeing, seeing that early, pretty early on in, in acting school, just like personally, it was, and I even, I even indulged in it for a little while, which was like, I'm an actor. That's what I'm, I'm all about. Like, that's it. Like (laughs) I'm, I'm an actor. Yeah. And, and so it's like, it's, and it's class and it's putting, it's putting everything into whatever my concept was of what it is to be an actor and, and was around a lot of people who are, who are like that as well. And it becomes, I don't, it, it, I found it started to become toxic. Yeah. You know, like it just, it felt so constraining. It felt like, you know, who was I when I wasn't acting, you know, like what, yeah, your world becomes so small. Yeah. And I mean, especially in the world of acting too, where it's just like, you know, it's, it's, it's a tough business, Mm -hmm. you know, it's a tough place to, to maintain a career. And you have a lot of people around you. It's like, you, you know, you define yourself so much as an actor and then you go and it's like, Oh, I'm an actor. And it's just like, Oh yeah, what have you done? I mean, that's like the first question that, <laughs> that you're asked, you know, and I'm sure with, uh, you know, like with other mediums, it's a lot of similar things, you know, it's like you're, you know, you're a painter or a, you know, you do sculpture or something. It's just like, Oh, like where have you had your works on display? Mm-hmm right? You know, where it's like, you know, you, it's like you, you're basically like, you have to be like a household name or you're not an artist. Yeah. And, uh, and it, that's, it's absolute craziness. I mean, I think most of society doesn't have a, a very good sense of what it is that artists do, mm-hmm. you know, like it's, it's something that, that people kind of consume for the most part, mm-hmm. you know, like the, like people just kind of, they, they take it and they're like, I like it. I don't like it. Yeah. Right. For, and, and some people go a little further into it. They take it into a passion and, and become interested in what's kind of underneath all of it. 
right? Well, people have opinions about our art. You know, it's funny, like, <laughs> you know, people have opinions about other people's jobs, but they don't necessarily have as strong as opinion about like, you know, people will have like, I don't like this actor. I don't, you know, I don't like the, what's like, what is that even based on? Where does it even come from? I mean, like, you know, it, you know, and, and why do you feel so strong? Like I've heard, I've heard people say, I hate that person. And like, have you ever met them? Have you ever talked to them? You know, and, and they'll, you know, they'll just be like, no, I just don't like this blah, 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 or whatever they do on, you know, it's green or whatever. Yeah. It's like, it's, I saw it's, him do an interview once. Yeah. Yeah. So there's this, uh, you know, there's this, um, it's a strange thing, you know, it's like we, we try to create ourselves sometimes as artists and, and I think we're misguided when we do this, but to basically be this almost, um, endangered animal that we try to get the society to cage us up and look at us that way, you know, I mean, basically trap me in this moment in this film where I was this way and then judge me based on that. You know, it's like, well, you have this whole other life. You know, it's like, uh, if someone does a Disney movie or something, you know, they might not be that person on screen, you know what I mean? But people, um, you know, audiences can treat artists as though they are this person they saw. Right. But yeah, I mean, I think it makes your world really small to, to, to be focused and labeled as an artist. And also there's a downside when you label yourself, because like, if you're a waiter more often than you are acting, are you not a waiter? Well, no, no, I'm an actor. That's what I chose to do. But wait a minute, you, you, you make money through waiting tables and you actually spend way more time waiting tables than you do actually on set acting or in class, you know, let's do the math. So then the person will, no, no, I'm, I'm an actor. Well, if you play the game of labeling yourself, you also open yourself to being any other label that anyone else decides you are, because that's what a label is. It's for people to categorize you and why would you want to categorize yourself to something limited? So I feel a, a, an artist who is actually like well-adjusted, who's actually connected with their creative, their creative self, they would go, well, yeah, I am. Sometimes I spend a lot of time as a waiter, but I'm not a waiter. Sometimes I spend a lot of time acting, but I'm also not an actor. I just choose to do these things. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like the moment you decide that what you do becomes who you are, you've created a major problem in your life, in my opinion. And I've done it, you know, and I know it is a problem because who am I if I don't do this thing? You know, well, you're, you're a person. You, you, you are still going to be okay. And, and I think the problem is, is um, if anything I've learned in life is we need to detach ourselves from results and from things as much as possible. We need to not make them us, you know, and, and the way we're going to do that is by not labeling ourselves as these things, you know, you, it's like, I love fight club. It's like, you're not your fucking khakis. Yeah. You know, you're not, you're not an actor. You're not a waiter. You're, you're a creative human being who's expressing themselves. And you know, you've maybe found a way to make money out of this, or you've decided that this is where you want to put a lot of time and energy, but it does not define you. And at any point, at any time, you can drop this thing and do something else. And that is perfectly okay. But I think our pride gets caught up in it. And I know it did for me for a bit. Cause I thought, well, cause I thought about walking away from filmmaking and acting, whatever. And I thought, well, what am I, if I don't do this, I've spent my whole life doing this. And then I, I thought, you know, I basically came to a point where I was like, who am I to anybody else? Who am I to myself? You know, because I don't, 
because I'm not at every audition room like I was before, doesn't mean I'm not an actor anymore. Doesn't mean that the time I spent doing that goes away. And it doesn't mean that if I decide to take a three year, five year, 20 year break from it, that I can't go back to it at any time I want and decide I'm going to pick this back up. And I think that labeling, we, we get, we get in this inertia of like, I, I always have to be attached to this thing. I have to be married to it as though it is my other half. And it's like, no, it's not your other half. It actually in your life does not exist unless you put your energy into it. Yeah. You know, I mean, especially if it's something that, you know, is not making you very happy right anymore. You know, if it's something that's causing you way more pain in your life than, than it's bringing you joy. I mean, then you have to question the entire validity of this thing that you're holding on to. Right. It's, it can be an abusive relationship. Yeah. And, and, and I mean that like in the same way you could be in an abusive relationship. You could be married to the person. You could be like, we've been married for 10 years and this person treats me like shit. They're mean to me. They don't respect me. They don't consider me yet. I married them. They're my other half. I need to stay with them. And it's like, no, they're a person that has the luxury of being in your life because you chose them and you choose them every single day. And if one day you or they do not choose the other, that's it. Kaputs, it's over. It's done. You know, and that's life and that's the reality. And we can try to create all these illusions about how we're actually like, we have to be bound to this thing, but no one's got anybody really in prison. You know, the only prisons we create are manufactured and in our mind, you know, unless you're really in a legitimate prison, but even in, even there, if we want to get philosophical, we could start arguing that as that isn't even the case. Yeah. I'm not going to go there. But my point <laughs> is, is that you're not married to, to your artistic expression. Yeah. You can spend your whole life as a, as an actor and then decide you want to be an artist, a painter, you know, or, or you can be a musician or whatever. It doesn't really matter. Yeah. Uh, but I think the thing is, is that, you know, we also, um, I don't know, we don't, we're not taught to think expansively as children. We're thought to think narrowly. And yeah. that's what we're struggling with. Our generation is trying to stop thinking narrowly. And I think we're beginning, like we're one of the first generations really to start going, wait a minute, maybe life is not just you work a job until you're 60, retire, and that's yeah. your life. We're starting to think, no, maybe, maybe I want to try this. Maybe I want to travel the world. Maybe I want to do this. And the older generation's like, you can't do that. You need a job. You need a house. You need to get married. You need to have kids. And, and there's a strong pull to that because we were informed that way. And there's some great good things in that, but also it isn't the only answer. Yeah. Right. And the way in which we're doing it, I think is a limited view is, you know, but yeah. our values are, are, are not being looked at. We're, we're kind of just taking on values we think we're supposed to want. Yeah. Yeah. Always ask questions. Yeah. I mean, it's just like in question, question everything. Mm-hmm. Um, that you're told. I mean, for so many reasons, I mean, it's, it's helpful in your life and it's absolutely help helpful in your art. I mean, it's to me, there's, there's not even like we talk about them, like they're separate things, but there, there, there really shouldn't be like art is just an expression of life, you know, or an expression or reflection of life expressed through whoever the person is that's expressing it. But you, uh, there's some, just to, to fill in on what you were saying there as well. Um, you remind me of, uh, a quote or apart from, um, the laws of spirit by Dan Millman. Love and, that book. Yeah, Read it. it's a great book. Um, <laughs> and it's, uh, in the chapter, it's called the law of choice, the law of choices. Okay. And I remember 
from what sticks out to me in, in that part was basically this person was saying, well, until you claim your power to say no, then you can never truly say yes Hmm. to something. So as artists, that means like until you, you claim the power, you know, and, and the courage and the strength to say, no, I don't need this. I don't need to do this to be, you know, uh, a valuable, you know, functioning, um, happy, fulfilled person in life. The moment you say, it's like, I don't like, I don't need to, to be an actor in order to have a good life, you know, and, or in order to like, you know, be happy. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, cause truly, I mean, cause what's the point at the end of the day, really, you know, it's like, it's like, it's not like, again, this is why I think what would, what you've kind of took us into here, what you sort of like <laughs> waited us into is so important. This whole thing of detachment, like, you know, even though these are things that we're very passionate about things that we love to do, you know, it's, there are still things that we, that we do. They are not necessarily who we are. They're just a part of who we are, mm-hmm. but who we are is, is, is so many and is, is infinite like there's, there's an infinite number of things that, that we are and could be, and it all comes down to our choices. But when you're so attached and when you've made, you know, being this thing so important to you and you're holding this thing up and you're waving it around, it's like, look, this is who I am. This is what I am. Right. And it's just like, okay, so now you have to fulfill some, I don't, and this is the other thing why it's so confusing is like, so now you have to fulfill some sort of an image of that. Right. Which is inauthentic. Which is inauthentic. And because it has to be. Yeah. Because it's in the mind. It's not, you know, because you said like, no, this is what I have to be until you say, it's like, you know what? I don't have to be that if I don't want to, but I'm choosing to do this. Yeah. Which means that I can do whatever the fuck I want to with it. Yeah. Right. Like it's just, it's, it's all about that experience that you're looking for. And, and if, if that experience is, is giving you joy in your life, that's why I think, you know, people always say, follow your joy, follow your joy. And it's, and it, it's been said so often that like, we, we don't even hear it very much, but like when we truly think about what that means and how, if we are, we were to actually try and apply that, you know, in every moment of our lives, you know, with every choice that we make, you know, what, 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 feels the most joyful Mm -hmm. because otherwise like, well, then, then it it doesn't matter what you do if you're miserable the whole way doing it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, it's, it's, it's an amazing, it's amazing thing you kind of pushed onto. I mean, why would you want to live a whole life of suffering and pain for the hope of, of, of some kind of joy? I mean, why not and I, I, I guess people buy into, you know, we're sold a bill of goods. We're sold a bill of goods when we're young that we actually need to be in pain to have what we want. And it's kind of true, but it's also very false because it's false the way that it's presented to us. We actually do need to be in pain to feel joy because, you know, passion is essentially like, you know, having something you care about and you want, and there's a pain to it. There's a pain 
that you're willing to push through, but, but it's like almost enjoying the pain because you know, the pain is getting you where you want to go. Whereas if you're feeling the pain and you don't feel the connectedness, it's just suffering, you know? Um, and pain doesn't have to, pain is an interesting thing because pain can feel good. And, uh, you know, like it, you know, I think what happens is, you know, like when someone says they hate their job, I'm like, well, why choose to hate your job? Like, why? You know, like, like, what? it's just a choice. You can choose to hate, you can not hate. Like, don't do it. You don't want to do it. But what's, well, I got to make money. Well, there's a you, lot of ways to make money. Yeah. But why don't you go live your life a little bit without making money? See how that goes for you. You know what I mean? And then you'll start to experience the reality of not having money, which I've done. You know, I've gone through that. I've gone down that road. I went down pretty far. <laughs> I was like, okay, <laughs> we need to maybe change some things here. But I, I went down that just to venture in because I, you know, I was scared of losing, I was scared of losing certain things. And so I said, well, you know, um, actually I had a mentor kind of encourage me. It's a long story, but, but I decided I would go in and I would venture into this and let's just see what can I tolerate. And I started to realize that, um, I can survive without money to a degree that was outstanding to me. I was like, wow, I didn't realize I could do that. Um, and also, you know, having money and making money, like, uh, you know, doing some grunt work and making money Well, I went, okay, well maybe this isn't the way I want to make money, but I'm making money, which is allowing me to do this other thing in my life. So the thing is, is that, you know, everything is just, it's just a, like, a kind of a, a, a certain bit of sacrifice for a reward, you know, and the degree of sacrifice that we're willing to put in is usually connected to the reward. And the reward is not as much, um, external as it is internal. Like there's a different feeling to, um, getting given money to versus like actually earning money. And I think what happens is we disconnect from the fact that we earned it, that we, that we put in our time and energy and did it. And, and, uh, you know, um, when you see, when you see that you have, in my opinion, when you see that you have, or when I see that I have power in the world to actually do something and move something that feels good. Cause then I feel like I am valid and I actually am, am playing a role in this world. But if anything I do doesn't make a difference and it doesn't matter. And I feel like I have no effect on the world. It's kind of like walking around like you're invisible. So how much can I really feel like I matter? It, it's kind of like, uh, you know, I think when I'm, I know this sounds very convoluted, but what I'm trying to get back to is the point that if we saw that we were important beings that make an impact in the world and we shift stuff, which I, I think on the most part, we're, we're kind of, we don't, but if we did see how, how powerful we were as people, we would look at our life a lot differently. But I think a lot of us walk around like we're invisible. And the reason why I can prove that is because many people will think if they don't show up to a party that's big enough, that just put a number on it. If it's maybe it's 10 people, maybe it's 100 people, maybe it's 1,000 people, maybe it's 10,000 people, maybe it's a million people. But at a certain point, they'll say, it doesn't really matter if I show up. No one will notice. That is bullshit. It made a difference. But you are not seeing your impact on the world. And so by not seeing your impact on the world, how connected can you really be to 
you're, you know, to you, like you, you become invisible when you start doing that. Right. And then, and then of course, now we're trying to be like, look at me, look at me. I'm important. Everybody focus on me. And then they think, well, if I was the party, if I was famous, I, I was the most important, then it would matter. No, it doesn't matter if you're in the background in the shadows or if you're the person on stage, either way, it makes a difference, but we don't see it like that. So this is this whole addiction to fame comes from this kind of weird, invisible disconnect from, from ourself. And so like, you know, uh, pain is kind of like ironically tied into this invisibility because think about it. Sometimes we want to be invisible and sometimes we're on stage and we feel in pain because everyone's looking at us. You know, we're not literally on stage, but everybody's looking at us. We embarrass ourselves. That feels painful. But yet, wait a minute. Didn't you want to be famous? Didn't you want everyone to look at you? Well, not on that term. Then sometimes we're invisible. Nobody's looking at us. Nobody even notices me. Well, that feels painful because now I want everyone to look at me, but you don't want to embarrass yourself to everyone. You want them to look at you on your terms, which is it's totally messed up view of we want to be important under certain circumstances, but not important under others. But we don't realize that we're important either way and that whether we're noticed by others or not, it's the kind of like our experience of ourself as artists, which is, I know it sounds very convoluted. This is all going to tie back. I do promise. But to our values, when we start, we can't really be connected to our values if we see ourselves as invisible and we don't think we matter sometimes. Mm. We always matter. And once you see you always matter, you start to realize your values always matter because your values are always being put into the world and they're always making a difference. You know, if one person doesn't show up to the party, it gives permission for another person not to show up and another person, another person. Pretty soon everybody starts to do it. If you give me a second, I'd like to share a little story. Yeah. So there's a short story I heard when I was younger, when I was uh, in university. <clears throat> Whole town decides we're going to have we're going to have a party. Okay. The whole town's going to come in. We're going to celebrate. We're going to drink wine. It's going to be wonderful. We're all going to celebrate this wonderful town we have and how we have such amazing community. So everybody, everybody takes a bottle of family wine and they pour it into this big uh, barrel. Okay. So everyone take their family wine and, and everybody can have a glass during the party or a few glasses, maybe put a few bottles in, whatever. It's fine. So everybody goes to put their bottles in, you know, whenever. And then when the time of the party comes, you know, and everybody's there and they're about to have, uh, their, um, big party, the first person pours the first glass of wine and what comes out water. Why? Because one family decided, well, if we put water in, no one else will notice. Guess what? Every single family put water in. So at the time of the party, there was no wine. There was only water. So we think our little bit of watering down, no one will notice. We think we can get away with it. But what we actually do is we actually dilute the whole thing. And as artists, we're constantly either putting wine into this great thing that we're building together, or we're putting in water. And when we see ourselves as invisible, we're putting in water, but it still has an effect. It still waters it down. Yeah. Right. So my point. So anyway, I'm not going to go any, any further about that. And I, I don't want to get too complicated about it, but we don't see our impact is my point. And our values do inform our impact. But if we're connected to our values, we're going to be a lot different about how we, what we choose to do as artists. Yeah. You know? Yeah, no, absolutely. Because I mean, like people do, like people do notice like we, and we did a podcast on, on, on some of these topics before, 
but this is interesting. This is a nice kind of a, a, another angle on all of this. And it's, yeah, I mean, I think it's, it's one of those things like at the, at the t- start of this podcast, you had said that, you know, it's like, you know, we, we are disconnected from our values or we, we often like, we don't really know what our values are very strongly. And it's, it's, I might even say deeply. We don't, we, we have surface values. We don't understand right. what's actually underneath what we yeah. really value. Underneath. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the thing is, is that those values, I mean, as, as artists, we are supposed to be reflections of values. Like I, I, I recently, I saw, a, I don't remember who it was. It was a friend of mine who had, they'd had this revelation. They posted this thing on, on Facebook, basically just being like, you know, it's important for artists to remember that we have some sort of, uh, like a moral compass. We have some sense of, of values and, and worth and things to say. And we're not just a commodity. Our work is not simply a commodity because otherwise it's, it's, I mean, everything is felt. I mean, there, there are trends, there are things that, that move through, through the world, you know, and, and it can, you know, it's like that, you know, a butterfly's wings, you know, like a flap of a butterfly's wings can cause like, you know, a hurricane, the butterfly effect. There we go. Yeah. (laughs) There's a, it's a, it's an actual thing that people talk about. Um, but it's like, you know, like we, we can watch these, these currents happen in our world where it's just like, you know, you see these, like these ideas start to like in, encroach and push into, into our world. Right. Like you, and people kind of can really jump in on, on some of these, on some of these concepts. Right. And they, they can either be creative and healthy and, and move us forward, or they can be things that not necessarily set us back, but, you know, can have some pretty destructive consequences as well. You know, um, when we, when we create too many, too many works that, I don't know, like for, for a long time, especially in the film industry, you know, there's a a great deal of exploitation of violence and sex and it's still happening, but now it's not happening quite as much because there's all these destructive things that are, that are coming out of it. I mean, it's sort of, it can be sort of titillating and stimulating to us, but it's very basic. Like it's very surface. It's very superficial the way that these things were being handled. And now we're starting to see, um, artists and, and the film industry treat these things a little bit differently simply because as a society, we are trying to say, Hey, we need to be healthier about this. This way of looking at the, the, these things is not good for us. Mm as a whole. I mean, and this is where I think artists really have an, 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 almost a, almost a duty and a responsibility. It's like, if you're choosing to, to be 
an artist who is a communicator and a connector, then you need to be connected to your values and be very intentional with the way that you are expressing these things because that's what you do. You express things. You're, you're like leaving impressions in people's minds. You are mm-hmm. trying to say something and those, you know, you want those to be tied to your values, not to somebody else's values necessarily, not to something that, you know, you're being told. I mean, there's like, you can see so many signs of it, like, especially, you know, in, in the political world these days and stuff, you know, like there's lots of absolute craziness going on out there, like promoting quote unquote values that are just like, what? Like, it's just, it's, it's fear mongering Mm -hmm. and it's, you know, it's, it's violent, it's unhealthy and it can be, and again, it can be very alluring, you know, like it can really, it can be easy to, to be drawn into that because it's so, there is something very powerful about those types of things, you know, to, they, they impact us. Like they hit us emotionally. Mm -hmm. Um, but we have the, the ability to say, it's like, well, do I value that? Do I actually value these things that are being said? Do I value this idea of, you know, locking people up or keeping people out or disconnecting us from, from others of, you know, of discrimination and, and all of these things. Is that what I actually value? If not, then don't put it in your work. Yeah. You know, like just because there's a lot of people who've jumped on board into this stuff, it's like the, and that's where it is so important for, for us as artists to be able to, to not, to, to look at for whatever reason, some of these things that people are valuing, you know, like artists are there to work. We can help drive, you know, our, our evolution as people forward. Yeah. You know, like I, I think you look at artists throughout, throughout time, you know, great, great poets and, and artists and performers and musicians who create such like either thought provoking things or beautiful things, and sometimes both. And it's because it's such a powerful way of helping shift something in a positive way. And I always try to push actors, you know, like to, to go in that direction. Yeah. You know, with your work, it's just like, say something, do something, give us something beautiful, you know, remind us of something good, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> you know, and make that something that we value, you know, and, and then somebody else picks up and now you've created your own wave of, of something that's better than something that was there before. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, it's, it's interesting because I think what you're, what you're pointing to is kind of the, the more of the idealism of art. And I think that, uh, you know, I think that people who, who, who really do love creating for the sake of creating and the expression of it and to be able to have a voice. And that's why they're doing it. I think that those ideals you're speaking of are going to really connect with those people. I also think that there's another group of people out there who are more interested in how to use art to make money and to, 
um, basically live a comfortable life. And, um, I think that that is always going to be there. There's always going to be those two sides and, and, and one's not better or worse, but I think what, what you want to figure out maybe is if you are on the side of the artistry, that is, I have a voice and I have a message and I want to communicate things to the world. And I think it's important. And you get down to that deeper connection. I think it's all the more important for you to speak up about it because, you know, that is really what's going to inform the people that want to basically exploit art to make money. I'm not saying that making money out of art and uh, using entertainment as a means to make money is bad. I I actually think it's good. And I think it's important that we have people out there who don't really, they're not focused on what the message is. They're focused on, will it sell? Will it make money? I get that. But I think that if you, um, if you are one of those people, an exploiter, um, I think just be honest about it. I'm an exploiter. I just want fame and money and comfort. And I want to live the good life. I don't really care what movies I do, you know, and, and just be honest with yourself because it's more authentic. You don't need to go around telling everybody you're that, but be more honest with yourself. Don't pretend you're an artist and actually live a life of exploitation. But if you don't feel that exploitation is the path for you, start to look deeper into your values and start to look beyond why the fame. Why do you want the money? Why do you need to be a success at at this? Why do you need to do the best work or the greatest work or be on the most shows or do the most art or have the biggest hit singles or whatever, you know? Because I think below our surface values, there's a humanity. And I think that we all are actually looking for that because I can tell you something. I mean, I've met very, very wealthy people and they are not all as happy as you might think. Yes, they drink some of the nicest wine, eat the nicest food, live in some of the most amazing houses, drive the best cars. But conversations, a deeper look, you start to realize there's this missing thing. And so many of the men that I've met who are extremely wealthy never seem to quite feel like they're enough. They always feel like they need to do more. They've never quite added up. And that there's this incompleteness I find with them. Mm-hmm. I've also met, um, you know, and, and, uh, and I, I, I wouldn't, I mean, I could go on about the women too, but whatever, it's irrelevant. You know, I've also noticed with the women, there's a, uh, with, with a lot of wealth and I'm not saying this is across the board, but I'm saying this is quite common. There's, um, an attachment to, to things and to clothes and to fashion in certain ways. And there's, there's this clinging to this beauty, this clinging to this lifestyle, this, 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 um, I don't know, like desire to buy, to get, to do, you know? Right. And I think that, that, uh, you know, being around people who have had a lot of money, you start to realize that once you've done everything, you've done what money can buy you, you've, you, you know, it starts to get kind of boring. You know, it's kind of like, well, what am I going to spend my money on now? Like I need to get the next thing, do the next activity. And it becomes this, it becomes kind of like a chasing a high, like a drug. You know, you're constantly kind of trying to chase this drug. Whereas I think what artistry really, the real beauty of it. And I think why we are so attached to it as a society in life. And maybe this is my idealistic artist coming out. I think it actually taps into our deeper sense of humanity, which is really what we're after. But we've, we've never been 
We've never been given the permission to just say, that's what I really want to say that, you know what? I don't really want the fancy car and the nice house and to wear the nice clothes. What I really want is I want to feel like I have some true friends and I want to feel like someone really loves me and has my back. And actually that's what I really want. But the truth is I feel that if I have the money, if I have the car, if I have the thing, I can buy that and that people will be there for me. And I know it's fake, but at least it feels real. And I think if we got really truthfully vulnerable, we would start to see. And people who have all their health and they have all their wealth and they have everything, they're scared to death of losing it. They're mm-hmm. scared to death of like, what if I became a paraplegic? What if I became a burn victim? What would I be? I'm nothing without my beauty. I'm nothing without my clothes, my car, my stuff. And so what ends up happening is we get so disconnected from our humanity. We don't even know our values anymore. So we're clinging on to these external things as though they are us and they're not. And so that's why I say like values, you have to kind of go deeper. You have to go like, I want the car, but why do I want the car? What is the car giving me for the experience? And ultimately you start to realize that you don't need the car, but you'll get the car for a whole new reason, which is healthy, not this bullshit reason, which you're lying to yourself. And you know, you create enough lies. They say in psychology, they say you create enough lies. You start to believe them. You become pathological because it starts to become difficult. It's already difficult to tell reality, like for a really honest person. It's actually, if you look at the science of reality and and our perception, it's very, very difficult for a very honest person to perceive reality properly. So if you take a liar and someone who doesn't even know they're lying, that's even like, and that's most of us, we don't even know we're lying. Our perception of reality becomes even harder to hang on to because now we actually believe things that are not reality. And then we get attached to them. Like I am an actor and it's like, that's not reality. That's not reality. You're actually not an actor. You weren't born out of the womb. And it's like actor, (laughs) you know, it didn't work like that. You know, a star is born. You might've been someone who is very good at, uh, you know, vocalization and expression and communication that way. Um, mimicry, uh, you know, uh, you, maybe you had a natural disposition to this stuff, but it did not mean that you were born into a role. And so the role is the lie, right? See, all values all come back down to the truth and authenticity. And are you telling the truth about them? Or are you, are you, uh, deceiving yourself on them? Right. And I, I mean, I, I wouldn't say, I'm not going to claim either as I, as I say all this, I mean, it's, I'm not going to say that I know my values deep down to the core in every area. There's a few areas where I feel I've gotten pretty close to the core of them. Um, I've done a lot of work on that, but there's probably a lot of areas where, and I'm, I'm certain where I've still convinced myself and I'm still kind of trying to break the lie away. But this is the great thing about artistry. We're in this together. And if we start talking about it, like we are now, I think all of us can start to go, Hey, like, why do you really, why do you really want that car or that girl or that guy or that, you know, or that role? Why do you really want it? What are you really going for? And, and detachment is super powerful. And that's where we can actually help each other as artists. Once we start getting detached, because our values are not actually attached to things like we think they are. And I know there's a whole talk we could probably go on about all this, right? But, but my point is, is we got to go deeper into our values. That's really what we got to do. We got to go deeper and deeper. We got to start asking like, what's the experience we're going for? Yeah. You know, under all this. Yeah, no, it's there. 
like this is, it's again, it's one of those things that's like, there's no, there's no one answer. There's no easy answer. And it's, it's a journey that will, will never end, you know, until the day you die. Yeah. Like, it's just, we're constantly being brought up against our, our sense of values Mm -hmm. and our sense of, of, you know, ethics and morality in the world and, and how we, how we behave and act out in the world and, and what we want to do within that. Like it's, it's, these are, these are all really big questions. Mm -hmm. You know, these are all really big ideas to, to go into. But I mean, for me, it's, it's like, what else is there? I mean, this is me personally, like, it's just like, well, what, it, what else it could be more important than that? You know, like then know thyself, right? Like what there's, there's nothing more important than that. You know, that, that saying know thyself, the more that I think about that, the more I think is know thyself is know who you are not. The more you know who you are not, the more free you become because everything you think you are is always a trap. It's, it's a, it's a bizarre thing. If you think about it, every time you think you're something, you've now married yourself to it and become bound to it. The self is an amazing thing because the self is actually, I am nothing and everything at the same time. I am not, not this nor that. And, and I am this and that at the very same time. It's the ego is, I am not this. I am this right? And the ego is very separate. It tries to make things different, right? And the ego is a, is an amazing tool. We need it. I mean, we couldn't be actors if we didn't have egos because every, in fact, every character is kind of an ego. You know, it's a commitment to a certain way of doing life. That's mm-hmm. all it really is. But when we identify too much with the ego, we start to think that the ego is actually us and it's not, you know? And so, uh, you know, it's funny because you're, you know, know thyself, know that like when you see, uh, like, you know, the most wise, wisest people in the world, you know, the great thinkers will say, see yourself in the terrorist, see yourself in the murderer and the rapist, see yourself in the woman, in the man, see yourself in the child. When you can see yourself in whoever, it doesn't matter. You have started to get access to the self. That's what the self is. The self is this ability to see the world from so many different perspectives because you're willing to try it on, which is why I love acting so much and really storytelling. But the ego is, this is how the world, this is how you need to see it. And this is right. And anyone who sees it other than this is wrong. That's how the ego does it. Well, if you've been walking around with your ego, just tell me how good has that worked out for you? How many people have you pissed off? How many friends have you lost? How many, how How many many people have pissed you off? Right. (laughs) Exactly. But when you see that there is this whole other world outside of the ego, the world and yourself become, it becomes a new dynamic, right? Yeah. We've talked a lot about this in the other podcasts. I mean, we're, I think we're constantly trying to, you know, yeah, it's like our, (laughs) it's our relationship to, to our world, our relationship to how we perceive the world. Yeah. Um, and, and yeah, it means, 
doing a little bit of examination, you know, self-examination and saying like, Oh, I think this way. Why do I think this way? Yeah. You know, is there anything behind this? Is there anything, you know, and like it's, it's in a constantly unraveling mystery of things, you know, Mm -hmm. that we, we continually come up against, you know, new parts of ourselves where we, we look at, at how we've been acting and, and, conducting ourselves out, you know, in the world with other people. And, and for me, it's about like trying to find new perceptions of things that, you know, and, and again, my guiding post for that is like, well, what seems to be like a more harmonious way of seeing things, Hmm. you know, what seems to be a way that, that, leads me into a greater sense of, of peace in my life and in the world. And, and sometimes it means you have to like completely throw away something that you once thought. Mm -hmm. And it's, you know, it's like, it, it is a weird place to be in. Like I've sort of stumbled upon that, like with, with some of my own like thoughts and beliefs, you know, recently, Yeah, you know, where it's like, I feel like, I've, I've been, you know, kind of like doing some spring cleaning on myself, you know, just like, (laughs) like clearing some, some old stuff out that was like old, old things that I thought about who I am and, and what I'm in the world to do. And, you know, like big, big fricking questions, man. And, and realizing that, you know, some of these things were really not serving me anymore. They were not, they're causing me a lot of pain in my life. Right. And as a result, that pain makes it harder for me to, to be a creative. Do you you have an example you can share? Oh, um, you know, like, like, I guess one of the, one of the, maybe the most really, I mean, there's, it seems like it's like lifetime is passing in in weeks sometimes these days, but, um, (laughs) like just like, like one would be like the idea of just like not, not being good enough, you know, like being like a bad person. And so I don't deserve, you know, to have like joyful things and abundance in my life and that, and, and sort of where all of that came from, that's like a whole nother can of worms. Right. But you know, it was, uh, and it was, uh, it was a big can of worms (laughs) and it's, and it's taken me a long time to come come through and, and start to clear all of that out and say like, well, why have I been thinking this way? That's led me to, to think this way about myself mm. and, and start to, to get rid of that, you know, like start to like really, cause it's so funny because you, you can start to, when you start to see a lot of the origins of where we formed these perceptions and these values in ourselves and our value of self. Uh, and when you are able to look at it objectively, detach from it, like we're saying, you know, like not being so emotionally invested into it as hard as that can be, you can begin to see how nonsensical it is. You start to see that there's like, I don't even know why I was, I think this way, like Mm -hmm. this makes no sense. Like there's like so much of it is so illusory, you Mm -hmm. know, things that we've formed habits of 
that we don't even question, which is again, why it's so important that we, that we start to ask these big questions of ourselves. Um, but basically it's like, now I'm in this getting back to where, (laughs) to where this all started. So now I'm in this, like this weird place of like feeling this, like an extraordinary new sense of openness and freedom. But at the same time, like feeling like I've got nothing to hang on to Hmm. in a weird way where it's just like, I, like, I, I know I'm defining myself less as being, you know, as being different things, you know, and just, and now like there's, there's a weird sort of like unsettling thing about this kind of openness. Oh, that's interesting. Like I don't have any sort of answer to that and what's going to happen with that, because this is something that I'm, I'm in the midst of right now. So I, yeah, but it's really cool. Like it's, it's an interesting experience of just living that I've, I've never had before because I've let go of so many things and, and, and it's, it's strange. It's very strange, which is why I'm like, yeah, it's not easy work to do, but I mean, it's like, you know, you, I I think that you just continually just put one foot in front of the other. Sometimes like sometimes you don't always know where it is. You're exactly, you're supposed to go or what exactly it is that you're supposed to do. So just like keep putting one foot in front of the other, like follow whatever seems to make the most sense to you at the time. right? Right. And, and eventually it will lead you to the next thing. Yeah. Yeah. But no, you're, you're, you're talking about, um, whether you know it or not, you're talking about detachment. You're talking about detaching from an idea that has defined you and it's the devil, you know, so it's easier sometimes to hang on to an abusive relationship than it is to venture out alone for the possibility of something else. Um, not good enough is an abusive relationship you created self-manifested in your life, which I did the same. And when you let it go, it, you know, it's weird because it's like, uh, it's almost like you're in the middle of a river and you're hanging onto a rock and you're like, man, I might drown if I let go of this rock, but I hate being on this rock. And I've been hanging on this goddamn rock for so long. And really, I just want to get over there. But if I let go of this rock, you know, and so I think we kind of almost hang onto this rock and we go, maybe when it dies down a little, maybe then I'll be kind of like, but we never really let go of it. So when you let go of it, the stream takes you, the the current takes you away and you're floating and you're off in the middle of nowhere. And, you know, and, uh, and, uh, it, it becomes kind of like this whole new experience of, well, this is different, you know? Yeah. And everything's like that. I mean, every, every attachment that we have to anything, any label, any idea, like I'm not good enough is the same as I'm not good enough is the same as I'm an actor. It's, it's actually the same thing. So if you want to let go of, I'm not good enough, you have to also let go of the other thing you like that defines you, which is I'm an actor. So just think about it. The most important thing that you like and, and say, you love acting, acting's the thing I love the most. The thing I don't like about myself is the most is I don't feel good enough. Which two do you think are attached? The one that you love the most and the one that holds you back the most are probably very closely linked. So when you let go of one, you have to let go of the other because that you have to break the relationship they have with one another. And they are nothing without you. you. You know, not good enough and being an actor for you only exist because of you. So what's the one thing you remove from the equation? You. 
It's a beautiful thing. The other thing is we go, well, if I'm not an actor, then what if I never come back to acting? Are you telling me to leave acting? It's like, no, it's not what I'm telling you. I'm actually telling you to find acting. But I'm, but you, you, you actually don't have it right now, <laughs> which is ironic because you think you do. Like, it's like, but I'm auditioning. I have an agent. I have a career. I have blah, 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 whatever. It's, 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 it's so ironic. Like most things that I found in life that are, um, freeing are usually, and, and really that will lead you down the path you really need to go for whatever your dreams are, are usually the opposite advice the world will give you. Like if you're in a relationship and you're worried about losing it, tell the person that you're okay with them leaving. Most people wouldn't do this. They go, no, no, I need to hang on to them. Say, listen, if you're not happy here, if, if really what you want is something else, I want to let you know that it's okay. And you can tell me that and you can leave at any time. And I want you to be happy. I'll tell you what will happen with that person. <laughs> that person will actually start to question. Maybe I, well, I don't, I don't want to leave. Do you want to leave? Right? They'll start to actually for themselves process. Now you give them freedom. You know, when you give people freedom, like you give yourself freedom, they actually start to work from their will as opposed to their fear. Mm -hmm. So like, if you're scared to leave, you're working from your fear. But if you're like, it's okay, I'm okay without. Once you become okay without, this is the power of detachment. Then the thing you actually want will come back to you. It's that whole saying, like, if you love it, set it free. It is absolutely the truth. Yeah. And if you hate it, set it free. But they kind of come together. The only thing that's different than love and hate, because they're the same, is actually indifference. And indifference is, uh, you know, indifference can, can come about. But if indifference comes about, it, it's simply because we no longer have the connection to it. Yeah. You know? And in, indifference is, is uh, and sometimes people, I think, get detachment and indifference associated with each other. And they're, no. they're not, they're not the same thing. No, they're not. You know, like detachment is just sort of, it's an understanding. It's not a refusal of, of, I feel of emotional life. It's an, an acknowledgement of our emotional side and, and how we feel. And, and then, and, and then being sort of consciously aware of, of what it's doing to us. Right. But I mean, again, it's still, it, it all comes down, down to choice right? Like it's like what you're saying, you tell somebody, it's like, you know what? I just want you to be happy. If you ever want to leave, you can leave. Right. And you know, like it'll be fine. It's like, doesn't mean that that might not have some difficulty associated with that if that were to be the case. But again, in, until you claim your ability to make that choice, that you are making this decision, that there is nothing, there is nothing that is keeping you in or out of this relationship, except for you. Mm -hmm. It's your choice, 100% completely your choice. So, but until you acknowledge that you, you have that within you, that you have that capability until you can do that, can that when you say yes to say like, no, I want to be with you. Now that comes from a real truthful place of integrity and of value. Mm -hmm because it's now no longer based out of any sort of fear or comfort or familiarity. It's just like, no, I'm doing this because I want to do this mm -hmm. wholeheartedly. Yeah. I want to do this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
Well, and it's, uh, you know, I mean, that's, I think that's the thing. Like if we never detach from something, um, we never get the experience of the wholeheartedness of it. Like it is like that chapter in the book, um, the laws of spirit, which I do highly recommend people read. Um, but that, you know, that book is, it's really, you know, it's a good chapter the the, I think the law of choice is what it was called. Yeah. It was, yeah. I mean, cause once you see that you, once you see there's no obligation that there is actually just choice, then, then you actually choose. But if you feel you have to, like when someone says, well, I have to do this, you have not detached, you have not connected to your, um, actual choice in it. You never have to do anything. And, and, and there are consequences when you don't do stuff and you might do it because you just don't simply want to face those consequences. And and that's fine. I mean, that's like a, I think a, a very primitive sense of motivation, but there can be a motivation of value. It's like, no, I want to go to this because it's important because I feel that I'll make an impact because I feel that people will, you know, that people will notice that I want my friend to see me or whatever it is, you know? And I think that's what we're kind of talking about because values are very closely tied to choice. Obligation is the opposite of our values, right? Because when we feel obligated, we're not connecting to our values. We're connecting to our fears, which is, I don't want these consequences, but our values are towards motivation. They're like, no, I'm doing this because this is what I believe in. This is what I want. And that's such an important thing. I mean, that's what I believe in, you know, as opposed to this is what I'm scared will happen if I don't. Yeah. Right. It's a different conversation. It is. It takes more, it takes more courage to, to stand out there for something that you believe in mm-hmm. than to, than to stand back and, you know, stay in something that you're only in because you're afraid, you know? Well, like yeah. You're... And let's take it further. I mean, let's say you're on a, you're on a set, you're acting and the, you know, director, producer, whatever, someone comes along and say, listen, you know, we want you to do this in the scene and it goes against your ethics, your morals, your whatever you want to call it. And you go, well, they might fire me if, if I say no. So I'm just going to do it. Well, now you're dealing from obligation. You're dealing from fear. But if you say, no, I believe in what they're, what they're saying. This makes sense. Let's do this. It's not comfortable for me, but I want to do it. Okay, that's fine. But you might actually believe, no, I don't want to do it. Now you face the consequence of, well, am I willing to be disliked or possibly fired to stand up for what I believe in? But this is where artistry exists. I mean, artistry exists in your values and your willingness to stand up for what you believe in. And yeah, not everybody's always going to like what you believe in. But this is the thing, man. I mean, you know, when we have values, we actually become much more valuable. Because if you think about it, if I can just get everybody to be a pawn and do what I want them to do, and no one ever says, and I just have a bunch of yes men and women around me. Yeah. I mean, how valuable are they to me? You're just a movable pawn. Just do what I want. Okay, good. Now I don't have to deal with you anymore. But if you come back at me and say, no, you know what? I don't feel that this is right. We can have a discussion. We can figure it out. Now you don't have to be confrontational about it. You know? Yeah. You know, sometimes people might ask you to do stuff and they don't even realize the negative downside of it. So I think you can always go to anybody and go, listen, this is what I'm seeing, you know, and they can have a, and they can say, well, you know what? I didn't see it that way. Or they could say, you know what? Do what I tell you and blah, 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 blah. And you say, no, you know, it's like integrity and authenticity and values are all 
you know, sometimes they're not comfortable to have, but I think this is what we're trying to help people build. Yeah. Yeah. And but build in ourselves. I think you bring really. an important point though, is sometimes people are just so like they, they don't see a certain side of it that you, you do, you know, that's why I always think it's like, you know, people, we're always so afraid to say stuff, especially in, in like art and when, especially when we're working, you know, <laughs> like you're just like, Oh my God. Like it's, it's like, I, I just don't want, like, I don't want to upset the apple cart here and yeah. I, and, and go along. But I mean, you're not doing any favors to anybody that way. I've done that before. I've like sat there and just like not given my two cents on something just because I'm, I'm like, not necessarily cause I disagreed with, with the direction of it, but because, you know, I was just like, okay, I'll just do whatever they want to do. And, and it's a stifling thing to do. Like you just like, you're just sort of, uh, you're just a pawn basically mm-hmm. at that point. And you've kind of done that to yourself. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't think we want to be pawns as artists. I really don't think that we signed up to put this kind of effort and time and money and investment and, and face these challenges to just be a glorified pawn. I really don't think that any of us, you know, or I very, very few of us are really wanting to do that. You know what I mean? I think most of us, we have a voice. We have something inside of us that we want to communicate. We want to connect. We want to express ourselves. We want our life to be more than the status quo. We're not interested in, in just doing what we're told yet. We were raised with the bullshit that we should. And I'm not saying be defiant for the sake of being defiant. Sometimes you're going to do what you're told because what you're being told is great. But sometimes you got to check in with yourself and that's about knowing your values. And that's about saying, no, this isn't what, this isn't, this isn't working for me. And here's why. And maybe I don't see it yet. Maybe I don't see why you want yeah. me to do this, but it does come down to, you know, and I mean, this is an earlier podcast. We talked about the why and the what, but the why I do believe is very, in, in, it's very important. I think sometimes we can get caught up in the why and we can like, sometimes you don't need to know why sometimes just do the job, move on. It's fine. It's not a big deal. Just do the job, move on. But sometimes the why is very important. And sometimes, you know, it's, it's going to come about and, and it's good to have that self-awareness of like, what do I stand for? And what do we stand against? Like if I see somebody bullying somebody, I'm like the first to step in. And, and I've told stories on this podcast of times that I have with grown men and I've, I've held them apart. Like I've stepped in like an adult and I've yeah. just been like, what the hell is going on here? You know, cause I don't like seeing that, you know, I put myself in danger for that. Cause it's something I believe in, you know, and, um, you know, uh, I've been at, I've been at social, social situations where like, you know, kids or whatever have been around and kids like yelling or being mean to someone else. And I stop and I say, Hey, we don't yell at each other. You know what I mean? And the kid stops and I'm, I'm be, I, I did it in a polite way. You know, the kid stops. And, and, and the kid readjusts, you know what I mean? And maybe it's not, it's not like from an abusive point of view, it's from a place of like, Hey, let's just stop this. Cause no one's speaking up about it. And I don't think that's right. So I stand up for that. Yeah. And you know what? I'm not the parent. I'm not the parent of that kid. I don't decide how to discipline them, but kids don't around me. When kids are around me, they don't hit each other. You know, if anyone ever sees kids around me, they'll notice that kids never hit each other and they don't yell at each other. They play nice because kids respect me because kids are very open to an authority figure that says, you know, this is the value. This is what we're doing. We're nice to each other. You don't want to share. 
this, then they don't have to share with you. That's how this works. You okay with that? The kid goes, okay. You know, a lot of the time, you know, I notice with children, they don't necessarily have built ethics. They haven't necessarily built it, but they want it. And when they see it, they like it because yeah. they can, because I think any human being can kind of connect to that. And I think adults are the same way. You know, like when someone stands up, everybody goes, that's the authority here. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's what we are as artists. We are the authority when we choose to be the authority. And that's about standing up for your values. But if you never stand up for your values, you're never an authority. You're always a pawn. Yeah. And I'm not saying you need to go around and always be the authority. You don't. But sometimes you need to be the authority when no one else is being the authority. Well, I mean, on your work, you need to be an authority. Yeah. You know, like well, yeah, you're sure. put, when, every time you're putting your, yourself out there, you're putting your work out there, you're the authority on your work. Right. You know, you, you have, you kind of have the first and last say on whatever it is that's, that's being done. Uh, like, even though you like it was some things like, you, you, you know, it is a collaborative, it is a collaborative thing and I get, but still the authority you, on your art. Not yes. necessarily other actors, but you are the authority of your acting. Absolutely. Or your painting only, or, or whatever. Yeah, yeah, like only, I mean, it's, uh, my mentor said, Larry Silverberg, he said, only you will ever know what's good enough for you. Right. You know, like nobody else can give that to you. Nobody else. I mean, you can, praise or criticism, it still comes down to you, you know, and how you felt about what you, about what you did. And like, to, just to get back into some of what we were just talking about a moment ago, you know, just this whole idea, like sometimes as, as artists, we, we do what we think we need to do so that we'll be accepted because we want that. We want, we want our work to be accepted. And so we do what we think will get us accepted and you need to flip that whole paradigm right around. And it's just like, be accepted for what you do, Hmm. right? Like it's a very different type of thing, you know, like, and it's because, I mean, again, trying to do what you think you need to do to be accepted is an answer that you will never know, know the, the, is that how am I even saying this correctly? It's an answer you can never get. It's an answer that you you can never get. Yeah. Yeah. You will never be able to get it. Um, but being able to do what you do with your full self invested into it, you know, not everybody's going to like it. Not everybody will accept it, but from what I have observed and experienced and seen people will, yeah, you know, like people will just be like, wow, like that was insane. What I just saw, or, you know, especially like within art, like a piece of music or, you know, not everything is to everybody's taste, but there's something about, about, uh, a, something that was created out of, out of love and honesty that, will have, that will find an audience Mm -hmm. that will find its acceptance and find, you know, the people who will, who will become your fans, who will become your, your admirers. And, and now, but the thing is, is that now they're, they're following you because they believe in you. They believe in what you're doing Mm -hmm. as opposed to like, you know, there's a lot, you know, that this is again, why celebrities like a fickle bitch, right? Like, it's just, like it, people will follow celebrities simply because that's just what's hot at the time. And the second it's not hot, like it's gone. 
It's disappeared. Yeah. Like nobody, nobody gives a shit about you anymore. Right. And that's not a connection to the artist. That's a connection to the community, you know, um, which is, is funny because the, the fame, the fame is a funny thing too, because I think in our very, uh, adolescent view of it, it's that people, people think we're important, but actually people don't think you're important. In fact, all it is really is, um, a way for them to express some internal need. Um, they might say, Oh, well, you're important because I'm going to give you that position because you're up on stage or you're up in front of everybody, but they're not, it's not really that you're important. It's that it gives them something, some meaning in their life. Right. And so like, um, when, but when people really like, like believe in what you stand for, there's something that moved them or, you know, whatever, that's really like, that's a, I think, a. a, a a different type of connection with them. It becomes less about what they think of you, but what you helped them have, you know, it's like, um, if you're just famous and you really offer no value, you didn't, you didn't, you maybe you could argue that you help them have a distraction. You help them have, uh, some entertainment outside of their say, quote unquote, boring life or whatever. But I don't know if, uh, like, I don't know if, if deep down that's ultimately what we want to do is we just want to walk around and distract everybody. I think, um, and this may, you know, I don't know, maybe it's my perception, but I think really what we want to do is we want to, we want to help move shift and give someone an emotional experience. We want to, you know, and I think, um, I think we all want to do that. I mean, I think it comes, you know, it doesn't just have to be art. I mean, it can be relationships. Like if you're with a partner you might get an ego boost to the fact that maybe they're really good looking or whatever. But I think what, what people really want is they want to believe that that person really wants to be with them. They don't just want to be with them because of their, their things, their status, their money, their looks or whatever, the way they dress, their fame, their status, right? I think if, uh, you know, when, when people are around you because they like who you are and what you represent as a person, it, it's a more fulfilling experience of a relationship. Um, but you know, if, if people are around you based on your status, you might not really notice it. But the problem is, is if you ever lose that status, you ever lose that money, you ever lose what you offer the, the, you run the risk of the friendship or the thing going away. So now you have to be attached to it because if you lose it, you don't want to see what the downside could be. And maybe it won't be, but it could be. And that's just too much to bear. Right. So, um, you know, I think, uh, detachment also helps you tell the truth because if your life exists, like knowing, like not everybody's like, not, not every friend you have is going to be a true friend. You know, that's a, that's a law that I've just had to accept in life. Not every person that I care about is going to care about me the same way. And and quite frankly, probably not every person that cares about me, I'm going to care about the same way, but that's just life. And there's nothing wrong with that. But what is a great definer of who really cares about you and, and who you really care about is when you start seeing whether you get something or don't get something from the person, when you don't get something that that person needs to be any more than what they are. There's certain people, I mean, and if you've ever had a true friend, you know, I, I, I consider you a true friend is that there's a, there's a quality about you when you're just being you you don't really have to work at it. And we, we talked about a bit about this on the weekend, you know, um, just, you have a certain kind of, uh, integrity and a moral 
and just a standard of being that I, that I find that I, I want to have more of in myself. And you represent that for me. And I like being around that. If you could argue that potentially if you kind of started being out of your integrity, started being immoral, um, our friendship might start to distance, but I would probably, I would probably comment on it. Whereas I've also had friendships where, um, I've had people around who were really just there because of the benefits I offered. For example, you know, like in college, you know, I was, I've shared before, I was very good at attracting, you know, women. So often I would show up with, at a party with a whole group of women, you know, and the thing is the guys were like that. So all the guys want to be my friends. Cause I am, the, I'm the guy that's bringing in the women. <laughs> so now my friendship with them is not based on the fact that they're my actual friend, although that might attract them to getting to know me. My friendship to them is that they want to hang around with Brandon because Brandon helps them get the girl, which is what they really want. So really I'm just a middleman. So that's not a real friendship. Mm-hmm. And so I think the thing is, is that I understand that in some scenarios in life, I'm just a middleman and that's okay. And I don't, I don't make anybody wrong for that, but I'm very much more honest and truthful about if I'm building a real friendship with someone or if I'm building a middleman relationship with someone and they're different things and they're totally fine. And, and not everybody has to be a true friend, but I do want to know who my true friends are. And I want to know who I'm just a middleman for, because at the end of the day, I want to know where I want to put my true, um, my most of my heart into. I want to know who I want to put my heart into. And I'm, I put my heart a little into everybody. You know, I give everybody a little bit of that chance, but my true friends, you know, as I'm sure, you know, you guys, you know, you're the ones that get like, you call me at 3am in the morning. It doesn't matter what's going on. I'm there for you. That's, you know, that's what I'm building, but not everybody gets that luxury until we start to earn that kind of thing. But it comes down to my values. Now I've, I've figured out my values. That's how I can tell a true friend from a middleman friend, if you want to call it that someone who's just kind of, uh, you know, there are to the benefits. I'm not saying anybody's wrong or, or whatever. What's important for me is that I can tell the difference. That's all, you know? And I think for everybody, when we get connected to our values, we start to treat our art that way. We start to treat our art of like this project or this thing I'm doing is something I truly care about. It's something that's truly connected to me as a human being. This art piece that I'm doing, I'm doing it because it leverages my career somewhere. I'm using it as a middleman to launch my career somewhere else. But if we go our whole life just leveraging our art and we never find a true connection to our art, I mean, that's like going your whole life without ever having a true friend. And I just think that's a shallow existence. Mm -hmm. I don't know if anybody will ever see me as their true friend. I mean, even if you told me that you did, I never really am going to know that, but I will know that I experience you as a true friend and that's all I'll ever know. And that's what matters. And the closer I can get to this ideal of what a true friend is and try to build that relationship, the better. If it turns out that it was all a ruse and we weren't, it doesn't really matter because while we did it, I experienced it that way. And that's how life goes because, you know, you might do a project and you think, I love this project. I had so much my heart into it. And then it turns out that everybody on it just sold out and it turns out to be a piece of crap. Doesn't matter. You did it from your heart, right? And it would be great if you surrounded yourself with everybody who did it that way. But sometimes you're going to put your heart into things. It's not going to work out. That's just life, right? But at least our values, we get to experience our life this way, right? And that's why I come back to Frank Kern again. It's about our experience. It's about our experience. We're not really going after what we think we're going after. 
you know, there's that video, it's online. It's an hour or two talk he has. It's about the core exercise. He talks about basically connecting to your clients. But I think that exercise is great for anybody. Just do the first part. Do the part about you and really connect to the experience you're going for in your life. And he, the story he shares was extremely powerful. Mm-hmm. And it was a life-changing video for me uh, with him because it helped me to really see that everything I want is just linked to experience. And then it freed me up to start building and creating the things I wanted in my life, but not from an attachment place, from a detached, um, from a detached place, which is this very much a choice place. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I'm going to get some more beer for us and I want to continue this talk. I don't want to end yet. Okay. Okay. But, uh, why don't you tell us what this is? This little beauty right here is from Central City Brewing in Surrey. And this is uh, just a Belgian, a Belgian wheat ale. So it's, um, it's nice. I mean, it's, it's really easy drinking. Like it's a little bit, a little citrus, a little coriander, but it's not like a super cloudy wheat, wheat beer. I didn't even taste it when I bought it. Oh, really? I just, I... You're just like, the weed ale. I'm like, yeah, let's do that. I haven't had that one before. Well, so, we've been to Central City a few times. Oh, no, now, I, yeah, so. I've been to Central City, So you have but, a trust for them. Yeah, I do. I, <laughs> they, they're, they generally pump out some pretty great beers over there, and they have a lot of them. It was, it was hard to make a call on it, like, they, because they're, they're a pretty big brewer mm-hmm. now, and, um, cause they've got a, a big location in Surrey. They've got another big, they've got another location in, in Yale town in Vancouver. And, uh, like this menu that, that they showed me was like two sides of this sheet of paper, each with like 10 different things <laughs> on them, right? including ciders and stuff as well. They do like all kinds of different ciders and Rattlers and, this and that. And then there was stuff that wasn't even on it that they, that they still had like, yeah, we can do this one for you too. And whatever. I was like, Oh my God, it was an insane amount of beers. So, uh, but this was one that I knew for sure that I, I haven't had. I really like this one. I could, I could drink this beer all day. I could just have glass after glass of this. And, uh, and, and I could just keep drinking it. It's, it's, it tastes really good. And it's, um, one of the things I like about it is it tastes really good, but it's not too overwhelming of a taste. You know, yeah. sometimes we'll have beers, um, like I always like to venture out and sometimes try a little bit more extravagant beers, like uh, they have a little bit more of a pronounced taste. Yeah. But those I always find, okay, well, I can have one or two, maybe whatever. Um, and then I kind of like, great, I, I really liked it. But this one is like one of those beers where I, I'm enjoying it, but I feel like I could drink it all day. Yeah. And it's nice and light and summery and... Uh, it strikes a nice balance. Yeah. Like where it's, it's like, smooth, it's too. super easy to drink. Yeah. Um, and it doesn't linger too much on the palate, but it gives you a little bit more of a, f- like of a flavor hit than say like a lager or even a Pilsner does. Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, you know, for someone who like, maybe like, uh, it's almost like the way, the way I kind of experienced this one is, you know, um, sometimes during summer you'll have like a really light beer that doesn't necessarily have like a lot of taste because you just kind of, maybe you're out, um, camping or whatever, and you're just having a whole lot of beers with everybody. Yeah. And so it doesn't really matter so much. You're not going for the taste every single time. Um, 
this is one where you kind of get that smooth, easy drink, but you get, a, you get a little bit of a taste I find, at least for me, where it's like, I'm enjoying it more than like, it's like, oh, this is like an easy beer. I could keep drinking, but I enjoy it a little bit more. Yeah, you know, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. No, so. it's, it's a beautifully, beautifully balanced beer. Yeah. Yeah. So I went off on that, but, uh, okay. So let's go back to this. So we're, we've been talking about values as an artist. So maybe we can give some practical ideas on how to connect to your values, because I think at this point, if you've continued to listen to this podcast, on the other hand, you've probably connected the idea that knowing your values, knowing the deeper side of your values is probably important. And if you don't agree, then you probably turned it off. But if you agree with that, maybe, you know, we can talk about maybe some practical ideas on how to get a little deeper. Like what, what do you do? Like how, how is that done? And where do I start? Yeah. Maybe I, I mean, immediately, uh, I want to tell people go and listen to our why and what conversation. Yes. <laughs> Which is a few podcasts back. A few podcasts back. Um, but I'm going to just it has like why and what in the title, right? I yeah. think so. Yeah. It it's should, just a few back from this. Yeah. yeah. And, um, I think that for starters, it would be like, that what question, ask that what question first of yourself. Cause I think that a lot of this, like if you want to get in touch with your values, um, it means you have to start asking questions. Yeah. Um, with real intention and thoughtfulness about them. Um, and I would say the first question you need to, to ask yourself within whatever it is that you do as an artist um, at this moment in time is what is it that I'm really trying to do here with this? What is it that I'm really trying to do? Hmm. Uh, and yeah, I think that's a great starting off point, like just to get you into sort of the territory because it, it is such a, an individual thing. I think as you start to go into all of these, I mean, that is going to be so interesting and so unique because we've all had our own individual experiences of life. Um, and, and things that we have that are ingrained in us, things that, you know, we hold on to. So, you know, it's, you've got to keep a bit of an open mind, but yeah, start with that question of what is it that I'm really trying to do with this? Um, and that will at least start getting, I think the engines cooking sometimes, you know, like you don't even have to have the answer right away. Right. Like you might come up with a few, but that question, like stay on that question, stay on it. And things will just, I find at least they just start kind of like popping up. Mm -hmm. They just kind of start popping up into your mind. You know, you just go, Oh yeah. You know what? it's, I, this is something that I'm, I really want to do with my work. Mm-hmm. This is something that I really, I really believe in. And now you've just connected to a value. Right. Right. And, and, and so you have that awareness that you can, at least you can start to see how that is, can potentially, or how it has already begun to take shape in your work. Um, and then oftentimes I find it just keeps going deeper and deeper and deeper like you, you hit this one thing. It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's really what I want to do. And then like a month later, (laughs) 
I just go like, oh yeah, but like even like even further, it's about this Mm -hmm. for me. Right. Like, and you just keep following this little trail of, of breadcrumbs, you know, and, and my best sort of gauge as to when you're, you're really onto something is, is it is, it's, it's like a visceral experience of the answer. You know, like you start to like, you, you really feel it. You get excited about what's, what is coming up for you. Yeah. And you go like, yeah, yeah. yeah. And just keep following it. Don't, don't get stuck and settled on just that first thing that comes to you. Mm -hmm. Like keep, keep exploring it and keep exploring it because it will, it will continually reveal itself, reveal itself, reveal itself. I really like how you put that. I, uh, I'd say, I mean, I'm going to basically second that. I think it's, um, you don't make decisions in life that are monumental or moving or profound unless there's emotion entangled into it. So I think really the goal that you're looking for when you're asking these questions, why, and you're going after what is you're going for an emotional experience. You're going for something emotional. And you said it, Evan, it's like when you start to feel something, when you start to, that's probably a really good sign. Um, and I think the, what needs to come before the why, because the why on its own is kind of almost like it needs a direction. And I think sometimes the direction gives you a little bit of an access to the deeper why. And I also think when you think you've come up with the reason why, never look at it as though you've come up with the ultimate answer. You said Mm -hmm. this as well. It's, it's, there's always another layer deeper to the onion. And if you ever decide that you've gotten to the core of it, if you ever decide that you've gotten to the bottom of something, you become, you're not open anymore. Because, you know, if you've hit bottom, you can never go deeper, right? So there's always a deeper place to go. And I, and, and I actually listened to our talk on process over progress, mm. because that was a good one. And, and what we're talking about here, if you want to get connected to your values, it's a process, it's a lifelong process. And your values will be redefined and changed and altered as you grow up and become wiser. And as you express more of yourself with power and courage, you'll, you'll have more confidence to be able to own your values. So your values will become more available to you as you start to own them, as you start to become, as you start to live them. If you never live your values, you'll have a very weak relationship with them because you'll never really brought them out to play, you know, but when you bring them out to play and you really, you know, start to believe in them and own them and you don't care whether people like you or don't like you because this is what you stand for you're going to start to have also an experience of the power that is you, which is in essence, your confidence and your self-esteem and, and your sense of your sense of self. Right. Um, and, uh, yeah, so I, I'd say start with the, what, just figure out what you want. Then, then know that usually the first reasons you ask why are surface and try to dig beneath the surface and also look, take a, take a long sight of view don't look so immediate. Like, for example, you might say, well, I want to make $10,000. I don't know. I'm just making this up. Whatever. It doesn't matter. I want to make a hundred thousand dollars or make a million. It's relative to you, whatever the money is that you say you want to make, or I want this car, I want this house, whatever, some material thing. So anyway, whatever it is, whatever you feel like it would make you really happy. Right. And then look at it and go, well, I want this money so that I can maybe it's do this thing, get this thing, whatever. Look beneath that. Okay. So then what's, what is it that I want? If I got say this car and then that attracted, 
<laughs> talking to the guys, I guess. If that got the girl, not that I think that's a good way to get a girl, but that gets the girl. What is it? What is it that I think I'll experience with that? You know, that I couldn't experience like, so what will end up happening is you're going to start to take out the middleman. You start to realize that maybe you don't really want the car, which will start to get you to ask another question is like, well, if I don't want the car, then what do I want? Well, maybe I want this. And so the what and the why will do this like little wonderful dance as you dig deeper and deeper. And then you'll start to get closer to what you really want. Ironically, you might still end up getting the car, but you won't have the same relationship with the car that was limiting that you might have had before. And you might not get the car, but you won't feel like you're missing out on something, which is also wonderful. So start with what, ask why, know that it's going to go deeper, and know when you think you've gotten to the bottom of the why, there's probably another level down. Yeah. And probably another level after that and another level after that. Yeah. And that's process and that's wonderful. And that's part of you finding your humanity and finding you. So that's what I would say the practical skill is. Yeah. And, and, and yeah. And don't be scared to start standing up to the world and own these things. These are wonderful things. These are you. Yeah. Um, I think it also kind of sums up. I, it does. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, we could continue on with points, but it feels kind of like a good place to leave it. So Yeah, well, thanks for tuning in, everyone. That was our show for today. Thanks a lot for listening and being a part of this. If you enjoyed our conversation, please subscribe and share with your friends and family. Or you can learn more and message us at www.thebndpodcast.com. Oh, and make sure to leave a comment and rate us on iTunes. That will really help us out a lot. It definitely will. Thanks. Thanks.